Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. And where we were last week, we talked about diet and exercise. And uh, how many of you went on a diet this week after hearing that wonderful message? Spiritual diet I'm talking about here. We're talking about being consistent. It's a long-term kind of thing. It's not something that happens overnight. And, but the spiritual discipline, the spiritual diet and exercise lasts forever. It lasts into eternity. He talks about being nourished up in the good truths, in the truths of the faith and the good teaching, and then exercising to put them into practice. Uh, that we need to train ourselves to be godly. And that quote, uh, I want to read it again to you as well. He says, uh, there's no such thing as drifting into godliness. The stream of tendency is against us. There must be exercise and effort. So for us to train ourselves to be godly, to be devoted to God and leading to action, which is how we define that word godliness, devoted to God and leading to action, we have to make a decision. We have to make an effort. We have to make choices in our lives. And that's what we see here, what we saw. Now today, uh, I want to ask you this question, where do you put your hope? Because what we're going to talk about today is hope, and we, we have a, a festival of hope coming up, right? That's what we call it. And, and we have in our motto of the state is, hope and a big anchor and and so uh, I want to ask the question and, and I believe he answers the question for us in our passage today where do you put your hope and I guess the first question would be do you have any hope at all do you have any hope that's kind of an important question but but first before we do that I want to give some definition because this is really really important the, the definitions of hope, because there's the common definition, and then there's a biblical definition, and they are not the same. So when you and I talk about hope, just like, well, I hope it doesn't rain today, and I, or I hope I you know, don't get sick, and I hope you know, all the different things that we hope for in this life, that's, that's one thing, but it's very, very different from what the Bible, when the Bible talks about hope. The common uh, definition is this, that you just feel that something may happen. Well, that's pretty, pretty vague, isn't it? You feel that something may happen. Well, that's, that's the kind of hope that we have. Uh, I was thinking about this, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of true that that's the hope that our state emblem kind of puts forward. We, we kind of feel that something may happen. Now, I don't, I don't believe that that's where that motto came from, personally. It's, there's too many coincidences with the anchor and the motto hope, because we'll, we'll look at the scripture in Hebrews 6. But the, but the biblical uh, definition, hello? The, the biblical definition of hope is very different. Like I said, it's confident expectation. So it's almost when you read that word in the Bible, you have to kind of put those words in there because it's, it's very, it's not, we have a, a blessed hope. Well, we hope Jesus is going to come back and maybe he will and, and I feel that maybe it may happen. It's not like that at all. It's a, it's a blessed hope. We confidently expect 
that he is going to return. Why? Because it's not based upon what we feel. It's not based upon what I think. It's based upon God. It's based upon his character. It's based upon his promises. It's based upon his faithfulness. It's based upon the fact of, of his track record that he's always done what he said he's going to do. Always. Always. How many people can you say that, uh, can you say that of yourself? That you've always done what you said you were going to do. It's like me telling you, well, I'm going to end this message in 15 minutes. And you're all going, he's never going to do that. We know that already. He's not going to do what he said he's going to do. But if God says he's going to do something, then he's going to do it. And so whenever you see that word in the Bible about hope, think those words, confident expectation, that we have a hope. Our hope is the, the hope of eternal life. It's not a hope that there is eternal life or that I'm going to go there, but it's a confident expectation of heaven. It's a confident expectation that what God has said is true and that he's got eternal life for me, for you. Very, very different. So you need to kind of keep the We're having a festival of hope. We could call it the festival of confident expectation that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And we'll see what he's talking about here. I, I believe this, that, that when we truly have the biblical kind of hope in our hearts and lives, it changes us. It changes us. We're different people. We're different people with, with the hope that, that comes and let me quote to you Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope, we have this confident expectation as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It goes in there uh, for us on our behalf through Jesus Christ. But it's an anchor. You see, you see, without that kind of hope, without that kind of a confident expectation in what God is going to do, what he has done, what he will do, we're, 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 we're blown all over the place, you see. But he says we have that hope as an anchor for the soul. So the question again for you and for me today is where do you put your hope? And let's look at verses 9 and 10. We're going to read together there and see what he says here. He says, verse 9, he says, This is a, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. He says this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Let's pray. Father, th we thank you for your word, and, and I pray that you would stir up our hearts with your word, and you would give us that confident expectation, the Bible hope that we, we so desperately need in our lives and this world today, Lord, in Jesus' name. He says there that this is a trustworthy saying. Now, there are five in the pastoral epistles, five different times he uses this kind of language. The first one we found in chapter 1 where he said this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said, this is a trustworthy saying. You can take it to the bank. Jesus came. He came into the world and he came to save us and we're all sinners. The second one, interestingly enough, found in chapter 3, said if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. In other words, this heart for leadership is, 
is something that's good. This heart for leadership, and it's a, it's a noble task to have your heart set on leadership, and that, that God is calling you to be a leader in the church. And I, and I, and I believe that. I, I, I believe that God is raising up people to be leaders. But, but don't, don't uh, you know, neglect that calling, that heart that God's putting in you to be a leader in his church. It's a noble task. The enemy will say, you know what, you don't have time to do anything like that. You've got more important things to do. You've got to take care of this. You've got to take care of that. And, and you might miss what God's calling you to do and you to be. The third one found, of the, thir- the three of five of this take it to the bank statements, he talks here about the hope. Now, some translations actually have this referring back to what he's just said about godliness and exercising ourselves rather unto godliness. And, and I think that's valid too, but, but I think it's also valid to look ahead with this particular phrase into what we're going to look at today. And that's what I've chosen to do today, to go forward here about the fact of the hope and the Savior of all men that we have. He says that we have put our hope in the living God, and for this we labor and strive. We put our hope in the living God. Where have you put your hope today? Where do you put your hope? He says here that, that this is so important. He says we labor and strive about it. It's so important. And, and you know, if you really care about something, you're going you're gonna to do something about it. You're going to work, work at it. You're going you're gonna to put some effort into it if it's important to you. He says it's worth the effort. It's worth the action. And I think not only uh, that hope that we have for ourselves, but to let other people know that there's hope. There is hope in this world. We put our hope in the living God. Let me ask you the question one more time. Where do you put your hope? Because there are lots of options, aren't there? We have options. If there's one thing we have in America, it's options, right? We have lots of options. So where can, where can we put our hope? Where can you and I put our hope in, in, in our day and age today? Where do you think? In yourself. In yourself. Oh, man. That's scary, huh? The dollar, yeah. Uh-huh. The government? We'll get to that one. Just We already said that, but I'm talking about other options. Right? Those are three big ones, right? What else? I already got some of them up here. Uh, some philosophy, the world system, the government. Uh, how many of you put your hope in the, the government of Rhode Island? I, I, you know, we're called to submit to the authorities. We're called to support our governments. And, and uh, you know, but... Do we put our hope there just because it says hope on the, on the flag? Just because it says hope on the emblem? That's the common definition of hope, right? Well, something may happen. It may get better. Things may turn out for the good. Your bank account, that's the dollar you're talking about. Any others you can think of that you put your hope into? Your own house, yeah? Oh, your health, I'm sorry. I'm not putting hope in my hearing either. So, uh, 
Your health, yeah. That's pretty secure. Your job, yeah. I put all my hope in my job, yeah. Your family even. These are all good things, right? These are not bad things. They're all good things. But to put that confident expectation, the hope, the biblical kind of hope in those things, now it's just like smoke and mirrors, you know. Blow it. It'll just blow away in the end. But he says here that we have put our hope where? In the living God. We have put our hope in the living God, that our confident expectation is in Him. Our confident expectation is in Him. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 33. I want to look at two, uh, two psalms together today because really it, it, it's something that we need to be challenged about in some degree. And, and we see the writer here in the Psalms, uh, at least in the second one we're going to look at, challenges himself. But let's look at Psalm 33 first. Psalm 33 and verse 20. I love the Psalms. You know, Psalms, you can go to the Psalms anytime, but especially when, when your life is in a mess. To, to open the book of Psalms and read in the book of Psalms, there's so much there. You see, the writers, David especially, he wasn't afraid to write about how he felt, how he, how, what he was going through and how difficult things were. And he wasn't afraid to write, too, sometimes about, you know, that he wanted God to go get them. Have you ever felt that way? God, why don't you do something about them? And he, and he wrote about that, and you read it, and you can relate to it sometimes. But you can relate to so much. But look at verse uh, 20. He says there, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and, and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Even as we put our hope in you. Where do you put your hope? Put it in Him. We wait in hope for the Lord. We, we wait confidently expecting of what God is going to do. Now sometimes, you know, we get a little weak and we, we don't understand and we're not so confident, we're not so expectant, but, but really to have hope in Him, that's what it means. We wait confidently expecting that God is going to do something. Now, is he going to do exactly what we want him to do? Not usually. Sometimes he does. That's the surprising. That surprises me when I, when I think I know what I want God to do and he actually does it. I'm kind of surprised. Because usually he'll do something different from what I think, but it always turns out better than what I think. So to hope in him, confidently expect that God is going to do something. And it's wrapped up in who he is. He says it's wrapped up in his unfailing love that's resting upon us. And so we can put our hope in him. Why? Again, the, the character, the promises, and the faithfulness of God. That's why we can have confident expectation. It's not, it's not based upon how much faith I have. It's not based upon what I feel, what I think. But it's based upon him. That's very different than the common understanding of hope. You know, we have a great fellowship here, and I, I love this church, but you know what? 
My hope isn't here. My hope is in him. The hope that we have in him is what draws us together, what brings us together, what keeps us together because we have hope in him. The fact that he's promised, what he's promised, the fact of who he is and, and his incredible, incredible faithfulness. But you know, it's not always so easy, is it? How about you? Are you just sitting here going, man, I'm so full of confident expectation right now, I'm about to explode. And some of you are going, I got, I got like no hope right now. I'm having a real trial. I'm having a real struggle. You know, I, I, uh, I forgot this. I, I pass over that on my notes, that some people have no hope, right? You were all reading that. You weren't paying attention to the thing I said. You just read that, right? Because that's the way it is. He says there in Ephesians, without hope and without God in the world and without God, you have no hope. You have no confident expectation. You have, if you're going to base it on all those other things that we looked at already... But then he talks in 1 Thessalonians about the future. He says, you know, that, that we shouldn't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again so, so we can have some hope. We can have the, the kind of hope that we're talking about here today. You're not going to find it down at Almax. Right? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I was just testing you to see if, you know, I've been in Rhode Island a long time. You know, you turn left, you know, where the Almax used to be, where Apex is. You, you're not going to find it. We're not going to find it in those places. We're going to find it in the rock solid character of Jesus Christ, that he died for us, that he rose from the dead. These are the facts. We talked last week about being nourished up in the, the, the truths, the solid truths of the faith. That is what's going to give us hope. It's so easy, though, to wander in our own selves, so easy to get sidetracked within our own selves. Look at uh, Psalm 42. Turn ahead to Psalm 42. See, we aren't the only ones that have this kind of problem. Psalm 42, in verse 2, let's start in verse 1. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That's all great. He has a heart after God that, you know, they, they really want to connect with God. They want to be with Him. But the problems of this life, the problems of, of, our, of our own being, look in verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? The problems we face and the difficulties and the struggles, you know, brings us to tears sometimes. And people ask, you know, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Where's your God now? Where's the hope that you, you, that you profess to have? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, 
how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. You know, things used to be different. I used to be like on fire. I used to be so full of, of hope, so full of excitement, so full of fire. And then he sums it up in verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever, do you ever have that kind of sense? You're just downcast, you know? We call it being depressed. Do you ever get depressed? You know, I get depressed. And, and these kinds of things that are written in the Word, you know, I can relate to what the writer is saying here. But look what he tells himself. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He tells himself that. Sometimes we need to have a, you know, take ourselves aside and have a little heart to heart. A little talk. I'm going to have a little talk with myself. I'm going to tell myself, you know, this is ridiculous what you're doing here now. Now, you know, sometimes we need help from people around us. Yes. But ultimately it's like, where's our focus at? Where are you looking? You've got to put your hope in God, not in the things that you're looking at here, not in that job that you want, not in that relationship you think you need or that you have that's all messed up. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in Him. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. He says it again, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Jump down to verse 8. He says, By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. This guy is like, you know, he's like going back and forth. Can you see it? He's like, man, one minute he's like right on. The next minute, look in verse 9. He says, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? He's like, one minute he's saying, God, you're everything. The next minute he's saying, like, I can't deal with this anymore. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? There's a spiritual battle that's taking place, you know. I don't know how often it is when I get into those kind of funks, into those kind of places that I, that, you know, sometimes the light comes on and I realize, like, there's some spiritual battle that's taking place here. And so where am I going to look? Who am I going to look to? And, and the best place to go is like right on your face before God and cry out to him and say, God, help me right now. I, I, I need you to help me, to pull me up out of this thing. He says it again in verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You know, you can kind of look at that in both in another way here, you know, why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Like, don't you understand that you've got the hope of eternal life? Don't you understand that you have Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world in your life? I think we need to talk to ourselves sometimes like that. Don't you realize? Look what you're doing. Look where you've gone. Look where your mind is. Look where your, your whole attitude is. You, you've wandered off. You know, you've drifted off. Just like you don't drift into godliness, well, you do drift into doubt and unbelief. 
talks about that in Hebrews. You know, you drift away from the, the, the connection with the Savior, the truth. That ever happened to you? It happens to me. Get focused on the wrong things. Why? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul, when you have the Spirit of God within you? Why are you so disturbed when you have the love of God in your life and in your heart? We almost have to rebuke ourselves sometimes to get back on track. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. He, he goes on to it again in chapter 43, but we're not going to look at that right now. Put your hope in God. Where do you put your hope? You've got to put your hope in God. And he says that there, my Savior and my God. It's a very personal thing, but it's a very real thing. My Savior and my God. Now, if you don't know him as your Savior, you have no, you have no place to Put these things into action, into play. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 10, he says, We have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. We, are, we have put our hope in, in the living God who is the Savior of all men. We have put our hope in Him. He's the Savior of all men. You see, we, we, we put our hope in the only one who can save us. Those other things that we talked about, are there, are there anything in that list that we looked at that can save us? But yet we, we go after them, we put our hope in them, we put our lives in them, hoping that they will do something, bring us some kind of hope. But he says... We put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. It's kind of interesting language he uses here when he talks about the, the fact that he's the Savior of all men. And, and some, again, take verses like this out of context and out of the context of what the Bible says, and they teach that, well, everybody is going to be saved. And, and I understand why they do that. And I understand, you know, we all would hope that everybody would be saved. That's, there, there's... That makes sense to me, right? I would hope that everybody would be saved, but, but you see, when we, when we make those kind of leaps and we, and we just blot out whole sections of Scripture, we're, we're heading for trouble. And I think one of the things that we're not realizing is what sin is. We're not realizing the power of the cross of Jesus Christ to, that He died for our sins. I think everybody's going to make it. We call it universalism, and again, I, I, I talked about this weeks ago about it being one of the false doctrines, and it's floating around in the church even now. Well, everybody's going to be saved. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done, what you believe, what philosophy, what religion, what kind of thing. It doesn't matter. Well, well I, I have to tell you that it does matter. And what I think he's saying here in this verse is that it's available to all. It's open to all. It's enough for all. Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, he says that he, that he might taste death for everyone. It's available to every one of us. In fact, 
we already read this in 1 Timothy 2, that, that God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He says in Romans chapter 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3, 16, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But he doesn't end it there in this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, especially of those who believe. In other words, that it's applied to those who believe. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Seems to be a difference there. 1 John 5, 11, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, I didn't say that. I didn't write that. This is what God's Word says. It's applied only to those who believe. It's important for us to know that. I mean, how many times you hear about it, you say, well, they're all in, you know, they're, if someone dies, well, they're all in, they're in a better place. I say, I'm, I'm thinking, really? Like, do you know? Were they believers? Because the Bible teaches those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have a place in heaven. Names are written in the book of life. Not everybody's name is written in the book of life. Those who believe apply this truth, this life. So back to our question, where do you put your hope? The Savior, he says, the Savior of all men, the living God, this confident expectation and not wishful thinking in the, in the character and the promises and the faithfulness of God. That's where we got to put our hope. We hope in the living God, our Savior. And again, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Oops. Where am I? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this confident expectation in the living God, our Savior, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I want to close with one scripture about the God of hope, Romans 15, 13. He says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with confident expectation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I like to, to end on a, a, a concept, an idea that, that we're just not doing it on our own. That we just don't have to try to whip up this kind of hope within us. That we have to depend on Him even to have the hope in Him. Does that make sense? We have to depend on His help to even get to the place where we have hope in Him. That's what He says here. You may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That we ask God, who is the God of hope, to give me hope. To help me out 
when I'm, when, I, when I'm in a hopeless place and I'm acting like the people all around me that have no hope and that we re- remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is the one and God, I need your help right now. I need you to help me. That I might live in a place of hope, confident expectation in the living God. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for you are the God of hope. You are the God that, that keeps his promises. You are the God who is faithful. You are the God who is true, who is merciful, who is full of grace, that, that we can trust in you. We can, we can confidently expect that you're going to keep your word, your promises, and you promise to all who believe that we will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we're just human, though. We're, we're frail and we're weak, and sometimes we just get so down. We get so hopeless. And pray that you'd fill us. You'd bring us back to that place of focus on who, who you are and that our hope is in you. And we put our hope in you, the living God, the Savior, our Savior, our God, my Savior, my God. Father, I pray here as well for any who are, don't have that hope of eternal life, don't have any kind of uh, hope of the future, any kind of expectation of any kind, only just what's around, that today is a day, a good day to, to give your life to Jesus Christ, the, the one who died for your sins, who rose from the dead for you. And all you need to do is put your trust, your belief in him, not in yourself, not in the world, but in him and simply say, Jesus, I, I, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, I, I need help and hope in my life today. Please come in. Please forgive me. Father, I thank you that you're here, that you're working. We surrender to you. We, we humble ourselves before you, the Almighty the awesome, the living God, the only God, the only true God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.